Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to Past, the podcast about those who would never rule. I'm Veronica Fortune, and this week's episode is Joan III of Burgundy, and Blanche of France. Our next two subjects sadly have little written about them. This is often the case when the past are women, more so when a woman doesn't have children in the case of one. I'll be dividing this episode into three parts, one each for Joan III and Blanche, and one for Salic Law. Within the Salic Law discussion, I'll give a bit more of the history of the Capetians, and France's earlier royal families, the Merovingians and the Carolingians, and the Robertians. I think covering Salic law is important both for our past stories to make sense, but also to avoid a lazy explanation for something that was probably much more nuanced. Superficial research of French history, much like looking at succession for illegitimate children, will often include one-liners that gloss over the actual facts of the situation. For illegitimate children, it's the church. For French royalty, it's something along the lines of, due to Salic law, women could not inherit the throne, and their children had no claim to it. It's almost never a fulfilling explanation, and I don't want to leave my listeners with that. I want to dig a bit deeper. You all deserve a better explanation. If you're interested, take a moment to look on the Wikipedia page titled Salic Law. Scroll down to the section headed Female Inheritance. You'll quickly notice a number of notes for clarification needed or citation needed. I'm not suggesting that Wikipedia is a great source, useful, but not always correct. But it was a fun starting place for getting no useful directions to look. Hopefully, I'll be able to provide some clarification. Joan III, Countess of Burgundy, in her own right, was born in May 1308. She was the oldest of Philip the Tall's children. At the time of his ascension, he had four daughters, including Joan, and one son. Only his daughters would survive him. Joan's mother was Joan II, Countess of Burgundy, also in her own right. Joan II of Burgundy has been mentioned before. She was arrested for knowledge of the behavior of her sister and sister-in-law. At no point was Joan II of Burgundy accused of being a party to the affair, and Philip the Tall was very defensive of her. 
He supported her claims to innocence, and she was released in 1315 after being found innocent. Their son was born the year after, though they wouldn't have any further children after him. By all accounts, Joan III's parents' marriage was harmonious, if boring. Her father is said to have sent his wife formulaic love letters. There are worse crimes to accuse a husband of, and not everyone is great at expressing their emotions in written form. As I discussed in Joan II of Navarre's episode, Joan III of Burgundy was married to her cousin's uncle, Odo IV, Duke of Burgundy, in 1318. Yes, the bride was 10. Since her younger brother had died before this, it made her the heiress to the county of Burgundy while being the Duchess of Burgundy through marriage. Joan III and Odo would have six sons, starting in 1322, but only one, Philip Count of Auvergne, would live to adulthood. Joan III's mother passed in 1330, at which point she would become the Countess of Burgundy and Artois. As with Joan II of Navarre before her, Joan III was passed over in favor of her uncle for the kingdoms of France and Navarre when her father, Philip V, died in 1322 at the age of 28. Due to the precedent set by her father, her uncle was easily able to gain power. Joan III wasn't even considered, much like her cousin, Joan II, Joan III's age played against her. She was only 14, and her husband was 27, but had already played his hand by supporting his late father-in-law to pass his niece. So I guess it was an own goal for both Philip V and Odo IV. Joan III's son, Philip, Count of Auvergne, predeceased her in 1346 at only 22. While Philip was rather young, he had fathered three children, Joan, Margaret, and Philip I of Burgundy. Margaret would die young, Joan would enter a convent after breaking an engagement, and Philip I would survive both his grandparents and mother, and inherit both the county and the Duchy of Burgundy, as well as the counties of Avernier, Boulogne, and Artois. Joan III passed in 1347, her grandson would hold her titles until his premature death in 1361. He was 14 or 15 at the time. Her titles of the Countess of Burgundy and Artois would pass to her sister, Margaret. Margaret's line would eventually lead through Mary the Rich, daughter of Philip the Bold, great super case, to the Habsburg dynasty that ruled Spain, the Low Countries, and most of what we now call Germany in the 15th, 16th, and 17th centuries. Philip the Tall's other two daughters were Isabella, who would marry twice but never have children, and, surprisingly, Blanche, who became a nun. The last of Philip the Fair's sons was Charles IV, or the Fair. His daughter, Blanche of France, was the second subject of this episode. Unlike his older brother, Louis, Charles was able to get his first marriage annulled, though not before he became king making his first wife an uncrowned queen of France. Unlike our two previous subjects, Blanche was not the child of any of the women caught up in the Tour de Nail affair. Charles the Fair's first wife, Blanche of Burgundy, had given him two children, who, based on their dates of birth, were of questionable legitimacy. 
They both passed before the middle of 1322. While Charles the Fair only ruled from 1322 to 1328, he managed to marry twice in that short time and father five children. His second wife, Marie of Luxembourg, tragically had a stillborn or short-lived daughter with Charles in 1323 and then fell out of a carriage while pregnant for a second time in 1324. Her second child, a boy, was born prematurely and died not long after birth followed very shortly by Marie herself, who was 19 or 20. Childbirth before modern medicine is something I'm grateful I've never experienced. Charles did need to provide an heir, so he did marry quickly after his second wife's death. In June of 1324, he married Joan of Evreux, his half-first cousin meaning children of this marriage would have four distinct grandparents, but only seven instead of eight distinct great-grandparents. Their first child, a daughter, died before her first birthday, but their next two children, daughters Marie and Blanche, would survive their father, though Marie would die young. Blanche of France was a posthumous child, like her cousin John I. Had she been a boy, she would have been the next king of France, her father's cousin, Philip of Valois, was the regent for the last month of her mother's pregnancy. On the 1st of April, 1328, Philip of Valois would pass over his young niece and be crowned Philip VI, officially ending the senior Capetian line and bringing in the House of Valois, who would rule until 1589 through both their senior and cadet lines. With precedent firmly set, Blanche never had a chance to even press her claim. Both she and her older sister Marie were still in nappies, diapers for my American listeners. Blanche would marry her second cousin, the fifth son of Philip VI, another Philip, Philip Duke of Orléans. They would have no children, and this is where Blanche's story ends. She would die in 1393 and be buried in Notre Dame. Blanche being passed over for her second cousin, and none of her cousins being able to put up a claim properly cemented Salic law and succession into French law. This wouldn't stop some from trying to change things, of course. Isabella of France has been accused of attempting to remove any competition for her son by lying about her sister's-in-law at the start of the Tour de Nel affair. Her son, Edward III, King of England, would claim the French throne. His claim and the support he had from his cousin, Joan II of Navarre, were the leading causes of the Hundred Years' War. I brought up Charles of Valois earlier, the brother of Philip the Fair, as a historical bad guy. Both he and Isabella of France were accused of planning the downfall of the sons of Philip the Fair to take power for themselves or their heirs. The truth is probably more boring than any fiction. The sons of Philip the Fair became ill, with common diseases in times when medicine was not advanced enough to treat them. They did each have at least one son, but like their fathers, these young boys were struck down by illness. Isabella could not have expected all her brothers to die young, even if she managed to have her sisters-in-law removed and the paternity of all her nieces questioned. They would have been expected to remarry, live long lives, and father many more children. 
Charles of Valois was an intelligent man, but more a blunt instrument than the sharp blade needed for political intrigue. I'm not going to suggest that Isabella wasn't smart enough to come up with a plan that would have seen her son on the throne of England and vying for the French throne. But I think 1314 was a little early to put that plan in motion. I hope you're all looking forward to her episode next week. I know I am. Before we get there, we need to figure out how we got into this huge mess of women not only not being able to succeed, nor pass on succession through their sons. What is Salic law? In simple terms, Salic law is property law. Much like the Magna Carta in England, it dealt with property inheritance and distribution but nothing to do with titles of nobility nor royal inheritance. There was more written concerning cows than titles, where it could be used to point to not allowing female inheritance is in Title 59, Concerning Private Property, Part 6. It states, But of Salic land, no portion of the inheritance shall come to a woman, but the whole inheritance of the land shall come to the male sex. It's important to note that other parts of the code allow land and inheritance to go to women, just not Salic land. Salic land, or terra salica, is land granted by the king in exchange for service. Service generally being equated to armed service, hence why the land would go to a male. Women could not perform military service, at least not at the time this was written. But the king was the one who grants this land, and is theoretically, at least, not bound by the rule of performing military service. The service is given to him in exchange for this land. Why would Philip the Tall have used this argument over other possible arguments? Well, obviously, Charles of Valois was planning on poisoning every single win- Wait, no, probably not. There were two other perfectly good options open to Philip. Joan II of Navarre could have been declared illegitimate, or he could have remained her regent and made sure she never married, making him and his progeny her heirs. Most likely, it didn't occur to him that he wouldn't have a surviving son, so he didn't worry about his daughters needing a way to inherit the throne. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, 
they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Louis X claiming Jonas' daughter did make declaring her illegitimate a bit more difficult. There also wasn't a pope around to do it. The second option would have seen Philip acting as king for a very long time, while never being king. Poor luck hurt Philip the Tall as much as his poor choice of legal reasoning. He was very young when he became king, only 23. He and his wife had four healthy daughters who would all live into adulthood and a young son. He had no reason to think he wouldn't have more children with his wife, or find another wife if that one didn't work out. Philip the Tall's usurpation wasn't recognized by much of the nobility, and there were demonstrations in the areas supportive of Joan II of Navarre. By keeping the support of Charles of Valois and marrying his oldest daughter to Joan's likely military supporter, her uncle Odo, he was able to end most disagreements. Philip was actually a relatively good king through much of his short reign. He was much more able and focused than either of his brothers. His premature death at 28 in 1322 meant any plans he had came to nothing. His decision to use property law to support his usurpation meant that his brother and not his own children would rule. His brother, Charles IV, would only last six years as king and leave behind a very young daughter and a pregnant wife, mirroring Louis X. As we know, this child would be a girl, not a boy. Did any other countries use this form of inheritance for royalty? Not really, at least not at this time. This was still a bit of the era of might makes rights. If a woman, or more likely her son, could claim a throne through descent and hold it, then it was theirs. Male inheritance was preferred, because men lead armies, sometimes from the front, though more often from the rear at this point. Later kingdoms did make use of this rule, but at the time, there was nothing to stop a woman from claiming a throne. The Empress Matilda came very close two centuries before, and Edward III is going to put in a concerted effort in the coming years. In fact, English claims to the French throne date from this time, though their claims to the left of France go back to Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine. Almost two centuries later, the Spanish would do much the same as Edward. They would claim the French throne for Isabella, Lady of the Netherlands, through her mother, the eldest surviving sister of the last Valois king, Henry III. 
The Spanish argument was much the same as the English. Salic law did not apply to royal inheritance, and its usage was invented. The Parliament of Paris actually declared her the rightful ruler until Henry, King of Navarre, heir, according to Salic law, converted to Catholicism and was crowned Henry IV. With his conversion, he became the first Bourbon King of France. The French also did not have any problem ignoring Salic law when it came to other countries. During the War of Spanish Succession, the French claim to the Spanish throne was through a female line, that of Maria Theresa, queen consort to Louis XIV and daughter of Philip IV of Spain. While Spanish law had allowed claims through the female line and had even had multiple powerful female rulers, the French found it convenient to follow their own rules only when it suited them. I look forward to next week's episode, Isabella of France. It'll be great to talk about such a bold, (laughs) instrumental woman after an episode about law. (laughs) See you next week. Thank you for listening to Past. I can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PastPod. That's P-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D. Please feel free to email me at PastPod at gmail.com. I have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com forward slash pastpod. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.